Welcome to Converse from the Couch from Lifestance Health, where each episode you'll hear engaging and informative conversations with leading mental health professionals that will help guide you on your journey to leading a healthier, more fulfilling life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Convos from the Couch by Lifestance Health. I'm Nikki Lienza, and on this episode, I'll be ta- talking with Martin Baker, a clinical counselor, a professional counselor from our Colorado Springs office on the importance of men's mental health. So welcome, Martin. Very, very great to have you on today. Hi, Nikki. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yes, yes. And you know, one of the things I want to make note of before we get started with our conversation is that we're looking at expanding the idea of men's mental health as anyone who identifies as male. So definitely encompassing the whole community of anyone who identifies as male. So so thank you again for being on, and I'm sure we're going to have a great conversation about this. Yeah, sounds good. So let's kick ourselves off with this. Martin, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so I've been with Life Stands for about a year, almost to the day now. Um, I've been in mental health for several years, um, working in different agencies, um, substance use, community mental health. Um, have had you know a lot of male clients, uh, different ages, uh, different generations, um, and definitely uh, am a man myself. And so I bring to this work a lot of I guess, life experience that, you know, I've gone through the trials and tribulations of, you know, what it means to be a man or male, you know, in culture and um, learned a lot along the way and worked in real estate and in corporations in my prior life. And so kind of have a broad background, um, a lot of exposure, a lot of experience and really felt called to kind of bring some of my learnings to maybe help, you know, some folks along the way. And so that's kind of why I'm here today with you. Yeah, no, great. That's wonderful. And so in your experience, have you seen that men tend to deal with mental health differently than maybe women or individuals that identify as female a little bit differently? Yeah, I would say so, um, generally speaking, right? So, you know, with men, there's this sense of, what, isolation, of keeping secrets, of sort of being an island unto oneself um, in terms of emotional health and emotional struggles. And men aren't very proactive in seeking out sort of um, help for emotions. And there is a, what, a deep sense of fear of vulnerability, I think. Um, maybe there's, uh, a fear of the feeling of shame um, that comes with that keeping of secrets, right? And so men will tend to, you know, isolate themselves, hope things go away, distract themselves, um, you know, do all sorts of things that isn't proactive. And, you know, there are compounds, and there are reasons for this, right? They go way back. Um, you know, I think it's different for generally speaking for women or uh, folks that identify that way that, you know, there is a stronger connection to emotional health, um, maybe a, a more ability to talk about emotional suffering with, you know, supports and friends and that sort of thing. And so 
although w- women struggle emotionally, it doesn't have that sort of um, stigma that's been with us forever, um, but seems to be kind of changing a little bit. So that's good yeah. news, right? But that, you know, that's my sort of take on, you know, what the key difference is um, with treating mental health, right? Well, I think leads us into, as you were speaking about some of that, sh- uh, that shame or the vulnerability that men might carry, that might be also what interferes with them from seeking treatment as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, that's exactly it, right? So it's that reactivity. Um, when men sort of come to me, you know, in the counseling room, um, a lot of times things are very much awry in their lives. So, you know, they're having relationships break down or they're struggling deeply with substance or depression is getting a hold of their souls pretty, pretty strongly, right? And so they're kind of kicking and screaming to the room. And I think what's keeping them there is this very deep conditioning that happens to men, generally speaking, um, of, you know, if you're a boy and you show your emotion, you talk about your fears, your your goofiness, your tears, whatever it may be, your true self, um, a lot of times boys are embarrassed and shamed um, by that reveal. And they get this messaging that it's not okay to be yourself. Uh, from a very young age, and that comes from mom and dad. It comes from sibling. Uh, it comes from you know friends, bullies, culture, media, society. Uh, right? Yeah, society. Right? It's like it's not okay to be emotionally weak. That's the perception, yeah. right? And that's kind of fed again and again and again for a boy as he's kind of going through um, and growing. Um, it's not safe to sort of access that emotional healing function. And so boys will adapt themselves to culture. And, you know, it's the provider protector roles that are dominant, right? It's been with us forever, right? Um, but it's really still true today. And success for men is defined by culture. You know, it's like you have to be a certain provider, a competitor, productive animal in order to be sort of acceptable. And in that process, you know, men lose their, you know, that soul, that life energy, that authentic you, that true self that kind of is with you from birth to the lifespan. They don't have a connection to that, generally speaking. And that's where a lot of these problems come from. And so, yeah, so you know, seeking treatment for them isn't a go-to. It's not safe. So that, I think, is the roots of it. And you had mentioned that you feel like it's getting a little bit better maybe with the younger generation. And I do agree that it seems like it's seeming to get a little bit better. I guess the question is, like, why is that? I don't know if just in the media we're seeing just more portrayals of it's okay for men to cry or, you know, I think that always helps, you know, the break yeah. We've seen the media. Yeah, that's a really good question, isn't it? It's, I think it's somewhat complicated, but yes, it is improving. The stigma is going away. Um, you know, my clientele are over 50% are male, and I don't advertise as being like a men's sort of specialist. It's just I am seeing more men in the room, and that is encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, why that is, I think it is, you know, this loosening up of the 
rigid gender role provider protector. Yeah. You know, women are definitely um, engaged in the workforce and taking on a lot of provider roles, yeah. um, even protector roles. And right. so part of that is giving men maybe a break a little bit on having to hold it all together all the time. Sure. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's part of it. And like you say, the cultural messaging for sure is, is softening up a little bit. It's like, it's okay to be who you are. It's okay to yeah. be sad. Right. I, I think once we see, you know, toxic, toxic masculinity really dissolve itself, which it's still there, you know, we're hearing a little bit of softening of that message. You know, the fact that we're calling it toxic masculinity, I think, is a key, yeah. key point there, seeing like how unhealthy, yeah. how poisonous that can be for males. Yeah. And that I have to say that that's a really tough word. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's pretty strong. And I don't necessarily think it's fair. Um, there are toxic men for sure. There are toxic women too, right? Yeah, so very true. Sort of a broad brush, and men are taking that messaging not too well. Honestly, they're they're a little bit afraid of being again, sort of, you know, in culture. Like, what does it mean to be a man now? Like, right. nobody nobody really welcomes me. I don't belong. And so you're seeing younger men in particular being kind of lost in that messaging and not knowing how to find meaning and purpose in their life. And, you know, there are a lot of, of them are, you know, going school, dropping out, leaving jobs, not in relationships, all of these sort of cultural markers of maturity are falling away for men. And it's not a good thing for us culturally together. It's not a healing sort of message. Now, there are reasons for it. And I definitely, you know, think it's good that the examination is happening. It's like, why is the masculine power structure so what hard on people? Like, yeah. why is it so competitive and maybe immature? Like, those things definitely need to be examined. Right, right. You can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Oh, of course. Yeah. And that also makes me think, we know, studies have shown that when it comes to suicidality, that men are more likely to actually complete a suicide. Um, and so I thought I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit more about that. You know, why do you think, you know, why are those suicide rates higher for, for men? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at the recent statistics. It's pretty rough, right? It's like three and a half to almost four times, um, you know, men com committing suicide to women, like almost four to one. Right. That's a big, big discrepancy. Um, and it is true that women tend to have more rates of like suicidal ideation, suicidal thinking. Um, women do tend to attempt suicide more often than men. But like you say, they don't, generally speaking, use these, you know, highly lethal means, whereas men do. And, you know, when they're considering and doing the act, you know, they're more successful, about four times more. Right. So, and in that statistic, too, is that you have this group of men, they're white, middle-aged men who make up 70% of all suicides in this country. Oof. Huge. Yeah. Large, right? Wow. And it's wow. like, what is that about? So what is it about midlife? Obviously, Caucasian. You know, you're supposed to be kind of the, what, the privileged class, 
um, in some respects. And men at midlife, midlife's very hard on a lot of men uh, for various reasons, but it's rooted in suffering on that island in quiet desperation for so long and having relationships finally fall apart, having addictions really take root. You know, all of these patterns that have been there for years and years, maybe decades, really come home to kind of roost at that time. And it's an existential kind of a a crisis at that point, like a spiritual crisis for a lot of men. It's like, I know half my life is over and I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. I don't know who I am. And that's not a good place to be at midlife. No, not at all, which is definitely going to feed into rates of depression, which then is going to feed into rates of suicide and everything else for sure. Definitely, definitely, yeah. So what can men do to improve their mental health? Yeah, so I think it's really boiled in that isolation piece. So really finding the courage and conviction to tell the truth about how they are feeling, really. And, you know, accessing their emotional sort of that feeling function, again, that they kind of eroded many, many years before because of culture. You know, it's human beings, but men, and I think in particular, um, really are mostly driven by meaning and belonging and purpose. And, you know, it's if that's eroded in a man, then, of course, they're going to have like serious mental health and emotional struggles. And so, you know, having the opportunity to be vulnerable, to fight through that that sense of being shamed for being weak and coming out on the other side and connecting, you know, in the counseling room about what is what what they're all about. Like what's what's wrong? What's troubling them? Who are they? What's your purpose? What's your meaning? Um, you know, I've I've run men's groups in the past and you know, a group therapeutic session in particular is very can be very healing for men because that island motif again, you know, it's like, oh, I'm the one that's broken. Nobody else is suffering like I am. And all of a sudden they're in a room with other men and the stories are coming out and there's this shared experience of loss and grief and suffering. And that does wonders to help the man understand that it's okay. It's okay to be you. It's okay to, um, you know, to have these losses, but you need to grieve them and grieve them properly. And it's okay to uh, feel like you're missing something, but you can find yourself. And so, you know, I've seen it in the rooms. I've seen it in the individual counseling as well. It's like very, um, very healing for a man. I would think in those groups that are, are all male, that there's a certain amount of like each individual giving themselves permission to be vulnerable. And that among the group, that was the dynamic of like, it's okay, it's safe here. It's okay to show your emotion. I think that was probably so key that there was maybe even an unwritten dynamic of like, there's permission here to be vulnerable, to you know rely on this group of other men or individuals that identify as male that it's a safe space, it's okay to show this emotion. I think that would be so key for a group like that. Yeah, you're right about that. Like that is the key, I think, is because, you know, it's like for us, you know, in in psychology, we talk about facing your fears a lot because a lot of times we build up in our our minds and hearts that these fears are bigger than they actually are. Uh And so 
you know, when a man can talk about, you know, woundings and broken relationships and all these things, it's like, yes, I understand. And I don't judge you for it. And then all of a sudden that facade kind of drops and, you know, there's a real sort of connecting to, well, reality to life, to community, a sense of belonging, all the things they've been missing for so long. So, yeah, so that's what it is, right? Martin, any other takeaways you'd like to share on the importance of men's mental health? Yeah, I would, I would say the, the picture is good and, and bad or positive and negative for, you know, men or, or those that um, identify that way. It's culturally, it's more confusing, I think, for the, the male rite of passage, the, um, the maturing process. Yeah, I see this a lot in young men where, you know, we touched on it earlier, but there's this sense of, I don't know what it means to be a man. How do I become a man? And, you know, in culture, we see what immature masculinity is like. We've had it, you know, in leadership and politics, you know, we've seen these sort of kind of narcissistic sort of, you know, Mm -hmm. immature kind of men. And that is not, I think the, you know, the, the right path forward for a man. And that's why the toxic masculinity label is, you know, is true to a certain extent. Right. But, you know, examining this and understanding sort of the male perspective, I think is key. Um, you know, having men be shunned by culture is not a good way to go and i think we see this in violence and aggression we see it in the in these horrific tales of of shootings and and you know these incidences where it's typically a younger male who's and is taking it out so i would just encourage you know more conversation like this to kind of you know understand men and the women and and other men who love them and we should do the same for the female perspective too and really try to understand and try to bring it together rather than pull it apart exactly exactly right so that's how i feel oh my gosh martin no thank you that was very well put and and thank you for your time today and sharing the importance of men's mental health and i know people listening to this podcast people watching us on social media, definitely going to walk away, you know, being more mindful of this, really thinking about this. And I agree with you that this has to be part of the conversation. It's really important, especially looking at it, you know, what does it mean to be a man? I think that's such a key point too. Yeah, perfect. So so thank you again. I appreciate it very much. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Mm -hmm.